0: Here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. And I am your show host, Randy Fine. Wow, it's another Friday. We are into June. Um, it's just truly amazing how quickly time is going. But it's all good because we're moving out of this horrible confinement and uh, pandemic and mask wearing, <laughs> which I'm really relieved about. Um, can you imagine becoming your own medicine and freeing yourself from the toxic effects of past trauma would you like to live a more empowered life by healing at the root level today's special guest Irene Lyon a nervous system expert and somatic neuroplasticity expert or nervous system Yeah, she's a specialist of one and an expert of the other, says that it's totally possible. She has a knack for making complex info easy for all of us to understand and apply to our lives. Irene started her extensive research into the nervous system because of her own health conditions and unrealized traumas. After discovering how these methods can help many people across the globe, Irene quit her private practice, so she could help educate more people at a time. She has blended all that she's learned in her educational career, both academically, academically and in the professional somatic training realms, into a unified whole. So the world can get schooled on the importance of nervous system health, healing trauma, and all things neuroplasticity. She has taught people around the world how to work with the nervous system to transform trauma heal body and mind, and live full creative lives, helping people heal a multitude of ailments and disorders that most doctors dismiss as incurable. To date, her online programs have reached thousands of people in over 60 countries. Irene Lyon has a master's degree in biomedical and health science. She has extensively studied and practices the works of Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais, Peter Levine, and Kathy Kane. Kathy Kane sounds like candy cane, but, um, anyway, she's going to talk to us about who these people are and what the works of these people are. So, um, good, good morning, Irene, and welcome. Hey there, Randy. Good morning. Thank you Pretty so nice. much good for time. having me. And so uh, I, I want to
1: use you. I, I want to use you to give me my bio introductions on my next shows. That was beautiful. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you are so welcome. You're so welcome. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what, when you say that you're a nervous system specialist and a somatic neuroplasticity expert, these are big words, well, not nervous (laughs) system, but, um, you know, generally, what is it that you are doing?
1: That's a great question. I'm always thinking about that um, for times like these. I am, if I really go go to that bare bone, and then, of course, we'll unpack this in our time together. We're wanting to really, or I am, but I'm wanting my students to learn how to, as you said, become their own medicine and work at the unconscious level of their physiology, of their body. Um, and so a lot of the mind-body work, which now is just second nature. You know, t- 20 years ago, that wouldn't be so much the case. But now most people know what mind-body work is, meditation work is, working with the emotions are. And those are all wonderful. But for me, when I say nervous system, that's code for autonomic nervous system. So there's a longer word. Um, and when we say neuroplasticity, that means the capacity for not just our brain, but our entire body and how it relates to the environment and other people, the capacity for it to rewire and shift and change for the better, for the better. Um, So that's a very kind of base level explanation, I guess,
0: of what nervous system neuroplasticity is for me and Mm, the work. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's a good overview. Yes, we are going to unpack a lot of this. Sure. Yeah. There was um, an injury that you had, a spontaneous injury that you had years ago, that sort of prompted yeah. um, your work. Uh, what can you share that experience with us?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it sort of. So I'm I'm sitting in Vancouver, British Columbia. I grew up skiing, like downhill snow skiing, um, and figure skating. Very athletic and. I'll go back a little bit. When I was in high school in my senior year, I tore a ligament in my knee, ski racing, and I got that fixed. And that was a pretty easy fix. Um, Still required recovery, but needed to relearn how to build my strength back up. So that got me interested in working with the human body. And I got into that, became top in training the human system, rehabbing the system at the muscular functional level and I continued to do my sports and then for for reasons that I now know now um, I kept re-injuring myself I didn't know why at the time I just thought it was bad luck right Uh, I'm just really active it's just coincidence so I re-injured the same knee again I re-injured I injured the other knee again same kind of problems Um, and the third time I did I got the knee reconstructed, the, the ligament, not the, the joint, but the ligament. And three weeks post-op, I was walking down my house in my home. Um, I was living in Whistler, British Columbia at the time. And no word of a lie, Randy, I went to go put my, my foot on the third step from the landing. As soon as my thigh muscle contracted, my knee capped, so my patella split right in half.
0: It just oh, broke God. apart. <laughs> Oh and uh
1: and and you know there's a reason they say in the movies that mob bosses break people's kneecaps with baseball bats for like you know making them listen and because <laughs> it hurts mm. like it, to this day so that that happened in 1999 and to this day I think it might have been 99 2000 it's still the most painful thing I've ever experienced um So that occurred, it was pretty gruesome, had to get my kneecap put back together, thank God for orthopedics, and um, went into rehab mode. And because I was trained to do that with other people, I, I assumed I knew what I was doing. And I was doing the right thing in terms of taking care of the joint and the muscle and building back up strength. But about a year later, I was still in excruciating pain. And not in the knee so much, but the rest of my body. Like my spine was always tight. My hips were always tight. My neck was always tight. And I was going to massage and physical therapy. And I knew I was stretching and everything. And I knew something was wrong when I finally had to see a chiropractor. And I wasn't big into seeing chiros at that time. And so, like, something's wrong. And so, luckily, my physical therapist said, we need, something's not right here because you look great. Like everything is balanced. You're strong, but there's something internally off. And I was like, you're right. There's definitely something off. So I, um, he said, I want you to go see this physical therapist who also teaches Feldenkrais. And you mentioned Dr. Moshe Feldenkrais in your bio. And I said, I'll do anything. I was desperate. So long story short, um, I went, saw this person who was amazing Um, I didn't really know what the heck he was doing. I was pretty young at the time. You know, I was in my mid-20s and just whatever, do whatever you need to do. And um, within a month of only seeing him three times, Randy, it was only three times, but he gave me, uh, this is dating this, cassette tapes. (laughs) And he's like, do side A um, and then wait a day and then do B, wait a day, do side A, repeat that three times and then come back and see me. And so I did. And within four weeks of doing that, it's as if I had never had my injury. I had taught myself how to walk again, um, bend my spine, use my hips in a way that was really natural and functional. And it just was amazing. So that is how I originally got into this deeper level of working at that neuroplastic level. For those listening, they might be like, well, what the heck did you do? part of the Feldenkrais work is relearning how to move in the way that an infant would learn how to move at the very beginning of their life, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So rather than sitting on a machine and pumping weight, I was on the floor learning how to roll my head properly, learning how to roll over with my pelvis properly, but not in a way that was using force, but was using curiosity Attention, and if you've ever seen a baby, learn how to roll over and come to crawling. Mm -hmm. They do it best when they are safe, first of all, and when they're engaged with, and when they're given lots of time to be on that floor. And um, that's essentially what I did for those four weeks. Um, To be honest, once I felt a bit better, I was pretty young. I kind of forgot about it. And then it wasn't until I was back in Canada, I was in Australia at the time, that's another story, Um, I got back to Canada and I'm like, I need to learn this stuff. Um, So I did. I became a practitioner of that work. And that's kind of the first half of my story. There's more to it because that doesn't describe how I got into working with deeper, more psychological mental traumas. But I'll stop there and see if you have any questions on that, like, first part.
0: Um, No. I, I just think that's really interesting. So these are guided. Um, it was guided mm-hmm. work. And all, and you yeah, listened it to it. How, how how long were those tapes that you listened
1: to? Oh were they God. very long?
0: Not long.
1: No, like 30, 40 minutes. I mean, a, a side of a cassette can, is, I mean, it could be longer. But back then it was like the most would have been 60 minutes. So okay. if I think about it, I'd say it was about 35, 40 minutes. Um, I remember It's one of my more visceral memories in my 20s. I was lying on the ground, and the first instruction um, the person gave was to lift up my head. So if you can imagine lying flat on your back on the ground without using your hands, lift up your head. And the instructor said, just notice what that feels like. And what's funny is that I probably would have been about 25 then. I had been in fitness and in sport for my whole life. And no one had ever asked me that question. Like you just kind of did these things. You never were asked, or at least I wasn't, what does that feel like? Like how heavy does your head feel when you do that? I'm like, okay, I'll just feel that. <clears throat> and I do the, the movements of, of what I went through, which is bending the spine in different ways and using the hips and all that. Very gentle, very easy easy breath no force no strain and then at the end of the tape the final instruction that he gave was okay now lower your legs and lift your head again and i completely forgotten about that instruction and this is where it got me where i was like hooked i went to lift my head and no word of a lie randy it felt like my head had no more weight in it oh wow it was like lift, it was like lifting a feather and I remember I was actually doing my master's. Yeah, I was doing my master's degree then in Australia. So I was living in a dorm room. You know, in my mid twenties, I had no space but to lay down, and that was it. And I, I just I remember lifting my head, feeling it, feeling like nothing. I bursted out laughing because I was just giddy because it was <laughs> such a crazy experience. And. I just remember lying there staring at my ceiling going, what just happened? Like what just happened? What I did was really not that hard. And yet all of a sudden this, so I did that and I got hooked. And over the course of those four weeks doing a few other of the, the lessons that they gave me on these cassette tapes, um, my whole body felt that way. I stopped stretching. I stopped lifting heavy. I still was lifting weights, but I wasn't doing all the stupid rubber band things and working on my core. Like I left working on the core, all of it. And I was stronger
0: after those four weeks. That is incredible. Wow. I'm so yeah, curious. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, curious it's,
1: it's, one, it's wonderful work. It's wonderful work. It's just, doesn't. it hasn't had enough, I don't want to say press, but it's not like, um, It's a very difficult kind of work to describe, I'll be honest, because it's not, when you're doing it, you're kind of, it looks like paint drying, like it's really small, it's really subtle.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Some of the more advanced parts of the Feldenkrais method are quite robust. The founder, Dr. Feldenkrais, was a judo master. He was the first man in Europe to get a black belt in judo. He studied with the founder of judo. Um, and so, he, it, you know, the, the work when you really get into it is like an, an applied martial art. You get into rolling and tumbling and all these things. Um, but the beginning steps are very small. Like I said, the way a human being would learn how to walk, move, all those things.
0: So so interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. so you said there's so you said there's more. all right yeah let's move on (laughs) on to more
1: yeah yeah so I so I um got back to Canada um finished my master's work and went back into the fitness world like that's kind of what I thought my job was going to be but I was working out one day and I I tweaked a muscle in my back I think probably doing a squat I really don't know what it was but I was like ouch you know I need to get back to those less, those cassette tapes, where are they? And I had moved and I had lost them. I'm like, damn, where are they? And so luckily at the time Google had just come alive on the world scene. So I looked up Feldenkrais and I looked up, you know, just what, where I can get more of this. And it was, I think divine timing in that there was a training, a professional teacher training starting where I lived, about you know five hours away, um, a professional training about four months after I tried to find these lessons, and on a whim I was like, I need to study this. So um, I I continued for four years working in fitness, um, working in rehab, exercise rehab, and then I studied the Feldenkrais method and. Did that over four years. It's not a full-time training like medical training, but it's still, you know, 800 hours over four years. Did that, loved it. Oh, my God, my body was incredibly well-tuned after that four years of study and started practicing. And I started practicing in um, all sorts of manners with athletes because um, I was in Whistler, so lots of high-level folks, but just your general folk, too, or who are having back pain and neck pain and shoulder problems. Um, taught, loved it. And then this is where the, 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 next part comes. It was 2008 and I was working with a select group of people and people in the community, but there was this one summer, one month in 2008, where I had all these clients who weren't getting better with the Selden Grace method. And I had had success with pretty much everyone that came and saw me. And I'm like, what the heck is going on now? Like, what what am I missing? I'm doing exactly what I was taught. I was taught very well. I was very skilled at the work, um, sort of naturally. Um, But what all these people had in common, and I remember this like it was yesterday, they all had various intense traumatic events, Randy, like things that you wouldn't wish upon anyone. Um one woman had been in a propane explosion, so she was recovering from third degree burns. One had been thrown off a horse when she was a young girl and had a pretty big shock to her spine and you know, in her thirties, forties she was still dealing with the pain from that. Um, another gentleman had, had a pretty serious fall off of a cliff. Um, he worked on the hill and he slipped and fell. And even though he hadn't broken any bones about a year and a half later, he was still in pain. Um, And another woman who was kind of my first real client working at the deeper nervous system levels. This is one of the more fascinating um, stories that I have. She had come to see me for frozen shoulder. I don't know if you, if you're familiar with what Mm -hmm. that is, but it's when, Mm -hmm. yeah, the shoulder blades, they just stop gliding and it's debilitating. Um, You can't especially not just for women, but, you can't put a bra on, you can't brush your hair, you can't hug your kids. It's pretty bad. And so she had come and see me because she had gone through all of the options in our in our community. And so she was not my office because, oh, go see Irene. She fixes all this stuff. <laughs> and um, she had broken her ribs skiing and the ribs had healed, but it's like her little wings were glued shut. Mm-hmm. And as I started to work with her, all my really cool techniques teaching people how to relearn how to move weren't working. I'm like, what's going on here? And when she came in, it, she sort of looked like a little bird that had been damaged. And as I got to know her history more, she had grown up with horrific sexual abuse um, and just really, really bad early circumstances Um And that story we can dive into deeper to understand how things get locked in the nervous system. But I was like, I'm, I want to work with this. I think I know what I need to do, but I also am not sure. That summer is what led me to find the work of Peter Levine, who you mentioned in the bio. And that work opened me up to see how um, our human systems we trap traumatic stress. We trap our fight, flight, freeze responses, not just in our brain, but more so in our physiology and our muscles and our organs and our immune systems even. And um, we have a tendency to trap that stuff because of our higher brain. Actually, uh, we don't release the way animals in the wild might. And so I looked into that work and said, well, I guess I have to study this now. <laughs> so I went and did a training in that in that um field of work and it completely changed how I practice but also my own life and it just opened up a whole other uh, a whole other vista if you will of possibility but also understanding, oh, my gosh, this is why all these chronic illnesses and diseases happen and are so
0: prevalent in our society today.
1: So that's, wow.
0: that's the second part. That's <laughs> the second part. So, you know, it's interesting because um, I, I really want to know a, uh, more about somatic experiencing. I actually yeah. um, put that into my book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, in the PTSD chapter for ways mm-hmm. to, um, to heal. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm familiar with the concept, but I mm-hmm. really would like to hear it from you know from your perspective. Sure. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> the the work that Peter Levine really
1: uncovered came about when he was um, doing his math or his, sorry his PhD in biophysics of all things. He was at UC Berkeley in the late six late fifties late in 60s. And um, he was kind of known as the the woo-woo guy. Back then we would call it um, Mm woo-woo, where people would go and learn breathing techniques and meditation and relaxation work. And he was given a, a client or a patient one day, and he's not a real doctor, a real doctor in terms of medical, but he was, you know, pretty known for his work in physics and biology. And so this woman came to him, with chronic, we would call it now, in 2021, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, chronic pain. But back then, there wasn't a name for it. She was just unwell, very depressed, very anxious. Um, and he started doing some work with her, and he started to uh, ask her to take some deep, relaxing breaths, which is so common in the mind-body space. And it backfired it completely backfired. She went into more panic, more anxiety. And he was like, well, that was a bad idea. (laughs) I'm I'm shortening the story. But what he uncovered was that when she was five, she had been held down for a tonsillectomy. And back then,
0: ether Mm -hmm. was
1: used to put out people. And it's very terrifying, if you don't know what's going on, to have Someone put something over your mouth like they're about to suffocate you. And she fought and fought. And, of course, you know, you're five years old. You get held down because they're bigger than you. Um, And so people could extrapolate that to any kind of physical abuse or sexual abuse or attack. Um, Even being in the dentist chair and being held down can constitute this. And so what occurs is when we want to fight and run away from a situation like that and someone forces us to stay still the physiology inside is still wanting to run it's still wanting to fight but it doesn't get to and so the system goes into what's called a freeze response or a shutdown response i'm not sure if you've heard of the freeze response but it's more known these days I would say 10 years ago, nobody talked about the freeze response. It was just fight, flight. You're running away from a bear or a tiger. Mm -hmm. Your adrenaline, right? Your spikes. Right. Um, and And we use that to describe people under intense work stress, right, or driving and getting cut off by someone on the highway. You go into fight, flight. But what is more common in our human society, especially in the Western world, is we shut that down because we can't get that stuff out or we've been trained to not get the stuff out. Mm -hmm. And so what he realized with this first client of hers, and and this story in greater detail is in all of his books, um, is that she needed to, in her current time as an adult, release the fight, release the flight energy, actually going through the movement of running away. And not just imagining, but while he was working with her, her body with the right priming. So it isn't just, okay, pretend you're running now. She had to feel internally the terror, the fear, and that sense of, I got to get away. I got to run. And her body just started running spontaneously in the chair. Like her legs went up and down. Her arms started to go. And after a couple of minutes, she was apparently drenched in sweat. And, and exhausted, but also um, liberated from that, that traumatic stress. She proceeded from that time. Her symptoms got remarkably better. Of course, they did more work than that one session, but a lot of the pain, a lot of the, the fear, it sounds miraculous, but it completely lifted because that was one of the first, probably the first real insults to her biology as a human, Um, Now, what's interesting is that when we have those things occur to us when we're young, and we we usually don't know it, sometimes we remember, sometimes we don't, we are then more susceptible to other traumas occurring to us because we're a bit shut down. Um, And when we're shut down, our perception of danger and safety is a little off and so then we're kind of, you know, that is that saying, you're like sitting duck. You're like a sitting duck for more things to happen to you over and over again. Um, and we see this when I talked to my, when I was in private practice, some of this, you would just go, my God, your life has not been lucky. Things just keep happening over and over again. When we really look at it from a neurophysiological level and this fight, flight, freeze perspective, you can trace it back to the patterns of protection and when we're in protection mode, we don't see the world in its full color, and we don't see the dangers maybe coming towards us, either literally or metaphorically, or even energetically. Um, so that is a, a bit of a historical uh, snippet, but also a little physiological piece on what somatic experiencing is. I will say his work is, is wonderful and as most things, it doesn't cover all of the spectrums of trauma that a human uh is subjected to um and that's where some of my other training after I got into this work come in but i'll I'll pause
0: and see if there <laughs> are any questions around that okay sure. <laughs> I can talk
1: I could talk for five hours but
0: I'll pause. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Mm. I appreciate that <laughs> I appreciate that so. Yeah, so this is all, this is just all very fascinating to me, but, um, I'm yeah. very familiar with the freeze response because many of the clients mm-hmm. that I work with experience it. Um, mm. when they get traumatized, mm-hmm. they can't move. They just, no, you know, they just Free. can't move. They can't think. Yeah. Um, and nope. this happens a lot in the courtroom, um, under, mm. you know, ex- under extreme, um, you know, when you're trying to divorce um, a, a narcissist yep. who's an abuser and you are triggered, you, yep. they freeze. They freeze. Yep. So um, yep. I'm very familiar. But you know, it was interesting that you were saying how it uh, creates a whole series of things happening to you. So I'm yeah. thinking back to um, an earlier point in my life where it was one thing after another. Kept happening to me, and Mm -hmm. I thought, Mm -hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, this is this is the way my life is going to be. And I had a traumatic childhood, so, um, Mm -hmm. so that's really really interesting. Um, Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What I'll say to that, um, hold your thoughts. I don't, I don't want to forget it. Is Mm -hmm. when I mentioned this woman that Peter worked with. You know, that was a one-off event. You know, tonsillectomy. We would consider mm-hmm. that a shock trauma in our world, just like a car accident would be or falling or,
0: or mm-hmm.
1: having a, a big sight. You know? Even a physical attack or, or, or a sexual attack would be considered a shock trauma. Um, but when things are happening under the age of three years old um, and when they're happening all the time, insidious, incessant in the home life of a child, And even in utero, when mama's carrying us, if she is under intense stress, um, that transfers to us, the little person, as danger, 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 the world's a dangerous place, don't trust anyone, shut down, you know, get your guard up and soldier on. And Mm -hmm. how that presents in a little human being is varied depending on their circumstance, um, uh, resources that they have, um, or not, um, where their siblings to help where they're not. And so the, the level of diversity that a human being might represent in how their traumas look as adults and the after effects of those early traumas is so varied, which is why it's been so hard you know, we often say, oh, well, that person was in war, so of course they have PTSD, right? But you often wouldn't say, oh, well, that person had an overachieving father that shouted at them whenever they didn't have straight A's. There's no way that can create PTSD. Well, that's wrong. We now know that that kind of thing can create severe PTSD, Um at the physical level, but also emotional level, and so absolutely, absolutely, we're just, you know, we're mm-hmm. just, yeah, we're just we're just so um, the the word is malleable as kids. People often say adaptable, but kids will will become malleable to the circumstance so they stay safe.
0: Right, um,
1: and a lot of us choose that word and rather because adaptable is like a positive adaptation to something, but when you're mm. in that toxic environment. You have to shape shift and become a chameleon to survive, and then that's how we can see people who have had severe early trauma um thrive because they're so so able to just do everything, be independent um but then others don't get so lucky and their system shut down into kind of this chronic illness pattern right,
0: wow, this makes so much sense, Irene. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. So um so that was part two. What's part three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I we're breaking it down. so
1: um I yeah, I know, it's great. Um so so I, I studied uh Somatic thing um and started doing that work. And you know, this work is fairly new. You know, if we think about like a practice like medicine, medicine's been discovered and has been perfected and mastered and it's continually being studied you know for for thousands of years where this you know this, the the 50s it's fairly new um and so as i started to study i started to realize oh we're missing a few other pieces here and so one of my uh colleagues now but mentor then kathy kane who you mentioned she also um was experienced and fully immersed in the work of Peter's world. Um, She's a trainer at that somatic experiencing level. But what she found is that she was getting a lot of clients with like severe chronic illness. So fibromyalgia, chronic pain, severe migraines, um, autoimmune issues, really terrible gut issues like IBS, Crohn's, um, anxiety, depression, just very severe things. And the traditional kind of model of working with the shock traumas wasn't working because a lot of these people didn't have that big car accident or that, I mean, some of them did, but a lot of them didn't. Um And what she started to work with was the, the more that early level, that pre-verbal level I mentioned a second ago, so working at the body, but working at what I have been calling for simplicity's sake, the stress organ level. And so um, when I mentioned fight flight, one of the indicators of that is the adrenal glands, which are these two little glands that sit on top of the kidneys. They produce our stress chemicals. Um, two of them are uh, cortisol and adrenaline. And so when we are in an environment that is unsafe, our little adrenal glands pump out that chemical to try to get us to safety. But let's just say you're in a home where it's, you know, to use your, your word, narcissistic, narcissistic abuse. Um, Maybe mom is upset, depressed. Maybe dad is under stress. Maybe there's some addiction going on, all these things. That little human is going to be just pumping out their stress chemicals. And, Usually kids don't get sick because they have youth on their side, but what occurs is that, let's just say, child in that environment grows up, they get out of that toxic family system, and then they're in a good relationship that actually is safe. But then their system breaks down, and often people are like, "This doesn't make any sense. I'm finally in a safe relationship. Why am I now getting all these health problems? Or why am I getting anxiety and panic now, or depression now?" And if you think about those adrenals, they have burnt out. They're they are they're they've like lasted so long keeping the guard up, and then as soon as they find safety, what does the guard do? doesn't want to protect anymore. And so the system crashes. So that's one thing that she found was that, okay, these people have exhausted, not just adrenal systems, but it's affecting the whole body. The gut is worn down because there's never been restorative sleep. So for example, sleep is a big thing. I know in our cultures here. Um, when we don't sleep soundly and in a regenerative restorative way, over time the body breaks down the cells don't have a chance to repair the immune system doesn't get enhanced so a lot of these
0: individuals
1: people that had this constant toxic stress growing up they never had really good regeneration at night and when they were resting usually it's again it's weird it's getting younger but in the back in the day even just 20 years ago people wouldn't get sick until their 60s right? You'd hear that common thing, someone works all their life, and then they retire. And then what happens within a year, their health just declines, um, or they have a heart attack the next year. And that is indicative to the system going, 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 and then finally, it lets down, and then the system just goes, I can't do it anymore. So I started to look at this other form of stress, which wasn't shock based, which was more developmental, early trauma based, and how it would impact not just our fear responses, but our entire physiology. And what I learned through that line of mentorship was how to help person restore safety back into their nervous system pathways and back Mm -hmm. into their stress organ levels. Um, And it's quite complex, but it's literally bringing your focus and your attention to these stress organs. I mentioned the adrenals, but also the brain stem, the gut, um, the heart, the skin, like everything, Randy, because when we are in an unsafe environment, it isn't just one organ that goes into alert. It's the whole system, right? If you've ever been on a plane and they pressurize the plane to go, into, to go up into high atmosphere, it isn't just one part of your body that feels the pressure, it's the whole plane. You know, that's why your water bottle gets pressurized. That's why your, your lotion container might explode during a plane, uh, during a plane ride. Um, The cells all get impacted. So when we think of this early trauma and toxic stress, everything's getting impacted. And so that part of my training really opens me up to, oh my goodness, like there's, more to it than just working with the memory of that accident, for example. We have to work with the whole system and teach all these organ systems basically how to feel safe again. Um, and so, so from that, studied with her, started doing that practice in my private practice, um, and then realized after about four years of private practice, as much as I loved working with people one-to-one, um, One hour a week wasn't enough. Um, And while it can provide a lot of results, what I was doing with my clients was I was having to teach them theory and the education and homework practices because they had to do this work when they were home as well, not just when they were with me. And that's kind of what led me to go more online or fully online was we need to teach everybody how to be like nervous system masters of their own body. Um, So that's kind of like part three, four, and then we can
0: dive into more of that if you want. It's so interesting because I'm, you know, as you are going through each part, I'm going, Mm -hmm. yep, that explains a lot. Yep, (laughs) that explains a lot. I know. You know, and so, yeah, what happened was, um, so I had all these years of where I had to sort of keep everything up because it was, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just in bad situations, one after the other, and there was nobody to go to, nobody to hold me up. I had to hold everything Mm -hmm. up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I never got sick. And then I met my husband, Mm -hmm. and he was safe. And we got married, and I knew that he could take over. For me, if anything uh, happened, and I yeah. fell apart, my body broke down. In the first year of our marriage, my body completely broke down. Everything mm-hmm. went wrong. Mm. You know, it was the first time I felt safe. And so, yep. you know, back then it was people, uh, people, doctors, and things. Doctors were talking to me about my adrenals. We <clears throat> we need to work with your adrenals. <laughs> yeah. But I never yeah. understood why. And so. My question is, we actually can restore our adrenals to a healthy function? one
1: hundred percent.
0: Wow, one hundred percent wow, okay. yeah,
1: and it is it is cool, and I mean, you know, that's so interesting that you had that exact same experience, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I, um you know, it's not that I'm so much psychic, um but this is just the pattern that is seen. And, um, you know, the more and more I talk to people and hear the stories, it's it's like, yep, that's, that's, that's accurate. (laughs) Yep, that's accurate. But, but yeah, the adrenals, the adrenals can be restored. And here's what's interesting is one of the ways that it's been worked with more so would be through, say, diet, and rest, and maybe supplements. You know, it's a very common thing if you go to um, a naturopathic doctor or someone who's a little more holistic and there's nothing wrong with, yes, diet is very important and all that. And um, if we are if we're not going to that fight, flight, freeze, that unconscious, I was scared to death level growing up, I can really, really go into that level and say to the system, hey, yeah, you were really on guard since you were conceived. You know? and, right, exactly. And it, right? Because probably usually that's the case. If a little person oh, yes. comes into the world, I mean, that doesn't just happen. I mean, sometimes it does. Sometimes when a baby is born, that will spark up the mother and father's early trauma. It's like, it's it's just how it works. Like, mm-hmm. they're fine and they really are in good relationship. And then this little human comes into the world and it brings back all their early memories that they didn't even know they had repressed in their system. Mm-hmm. And so there are, there are instances, but usually it happens in utero, but we have to pretty much remind and talk to the body and work with it and be like, you're okay now. And a lot of the times, Randy, the system will say, no, I'm not. Yes. <laughs> it will, and, yes. it, it, while, and while it won't have a voice that comes out of the cells, a if a person is internally paying attention, the system will go, how do you know? I can't trust anyone. <laughs> and, and, and this is, yeah. And this is where um, education is really important because I don't know the staff to this. I haven't done a study on it, but I bet you yeah, that a lot of people stop their healing journey because of that internal self-talk coming from their cells that they're not even aware is there yes and so Pretty something kind of gets yeah something kind of gets broken open when a person learns the biology because the one thing we all have in common as humans is this biology we all have stress chemicals our blood does the same thing our startle responses are just like animals in the wild and if we understand that we then can start to listen to that biology but we've kind of um, bleached it out of our way of bringing up kids. It's just never been a thought to to do that. Um, but luckily, with the work all my predecessors have done and that I've worked on, it's like, no, humans in this time, in this day and age, they need to understand the deep education and physiology of their systems so that when they are with that safe partner, like you were with your husband there isn't this, what have I done wrong? It's a, Oh, this is that thing happening. Now I have to do this healing. And then they understand because a lot of them, um, when I was in private practice and I hear this in my groups, a lot of the, um, it's usually the husband, not always, um, will be confused. They'll think, well, why are you so sick? There's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. We have everything we need you know, get up, like you're fine. And the thing is, is actually the person isn't. Their energy is super depleted mm-hmm. and they need to have the time to do the work to build back up their fuel tanks, essentially.
0: Right. Yeah. And I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think my adrenals um, ever really started to function properly again, because for me, you know, mm. I have to, I teeter on a very, um, precarious, uh you know, edge, um, middle, mm. because for me, good stress, really being happy or really being mm-hmm. scared ha- affect me the exact same way. I'm exhausted, totally yeah. exhausted. So, you know, this, oh, That's, a, this, yeah. this really helps me understand so much.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what you just said is very common.
0: So um,
1: when we've had that early upbringing with lots of fear, lots of fight, flight, freeze, and then we're out of it, what the physiology codes is rise in heart rate and rise in blood pressure must mean I'm going to die and I have to protect. Mm. And so if we have a joyous um, thing happen in our lives as adults when we're in a safe environment, the system has coded heart rate up, blood pressure up as bad. And so the person so this is how people self-sabotage themselves is they have something good happen, but the system is feeling as though that's a danger, and so what does the person do? They get afraid of that joy of that goodness, and then they shut it down and right. so they go into the same pattern that they learned when they were young, which which was one hundred percent needed like and that's where we have to really have that knowing of you. your system did exactly what it needed to do when you were five or six or seven, but now that you're 45, you know, change that because it's not going to give you the expansion that your system needs mm-hmm. to do the next thing and to, and to find all the vitality that is there. Um, the person's like, I've seen it so much. And what I've seen is that when a person understands this education, and of course the practices that go with it, they're less likely to keep putting themselves back into that soup of toxic mm-hmm. stress. There you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Awareness is, is half the battle, you know, oh, when it's we, okay. yeah, it is, you know, I mean, I spent years going from doctor to doctor to doctor, not understanding and not having anybody understand. And, you know, as you say, um, you know, as I actually said in the beginning and it, not knowing makes you Feel worse, And it, it, it increases the, the issues rather than decreasing them. When you know, I would say to people, just explain it to me. If I know, mm-hmm. I can work with that. So mm-hmm. so these are the three um, techniques that you actually use in your practice. Are there any more?
1: I would say that's the, the main three. And then, yeah, I blend them in ways that are pretty crafty and, and different. Um, I do have that background in exercise science and biomedical science, which I don't really teach that part to my students, but it does inform me to understand the rest of the body. Um, but yeah, I blend them into audio. Uh, I call them audio neurosensory lessons. It's like a meditation, but it's not like a meditation. It's guiding people through Um, Very much like that cassette tape I did back in my early 20s, um, movements, but also intention, um, having intention, um, using lots of self-touch, lots of gentle movement, in addition to a person as they work through with me learning the theory. So, for instance, I, I often use this example. If you've ever done a science degree at university or college, you usually have your lecture. And then later in the day or the next day, you go to the lab and you do an experiment to test out what the professor taught you in the lecture. And so what I've done is I've kind of created that system where my students learn the theory, they watch videos, they read articles, and then they go to the lab, literally I call them labs, and they work through the lessons to experience
0: this at the visceral level. So important. So um, I wanted to ask you, I saw on your blog, somebody asked you Mm -hmm. uh, why you don't do trigger warnings. And I wanted to know Mm. what that was. What are trigger warnings? So a trigger warning
1: um, is something where, like, if we were to talk about something that would be considered really intense, like, let's say, sexual violence, for example, or child abuse. Um, We would say, and the the news sometimes does that. If they show something graphic, they'll say sensitive material is about to be shown, right? And so that's technically a trigger warning. I don't do that um, because what I have heard and seen in my practice is so diverse stories that you never want anyone to have to experience But what I've also found is that some people are triggered by things that you wouldn't think they would be triggered by. And so the reason I don't put these warnings before maybe a real touchy-dicey subject is, and they've done some research on this, is that it makes a person get more stressed and anticipate the worst when they see a trigger warning. And of oh, course, yes. I'm generalizing here. Not everyone mm-hmm. will have that, you know, mm-hmm. but what it does is a person's like, oh, gosh, there's a trigger warning. This might be really bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, then and they, they brace watch
0: themselves. Right.
1: They brace yeah. themselves. And then what occurs, and there's, there's, so that's one scenario in that scenario. So let's just say they brace themselves. They watch the piece of content, if that's what it is, but they've braced themselves so much that they can't empathize and experience the full story because they're already in their own fight, flight, freeze response. Um, and they might actually miss a cue in their body that is important. The other thing that sometimes occurs with these trigger warnings is a person sees it and what do they do? They walk away. They don't watch it. And what if there's something in that video or that article that might help them? So I like to give humans the benefit of the doubt. Um, we see bad stuff all the time happening in the world, right? Right. Look at the movies that we watch with all the violence. And so I I just never felt compelled to put trigger warnings. And then when I started to see a few other people saying why they don't either, I'm like, yeah, this is how I feel about this. Um, And if anything, if a person gets a little activated by something, that's usually an, an indication that there's something there in their system to be worked with.
0: Okay. Thank you for explaining yeah. that. That makes sense. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so, you do a lot of YouTube videos. So, we can go on YouTube mm. and watch you talking about all yeah. these things. And is is yeah. your channel Irene Lion? Yes, it is. If okay.
1: you just punch that into YouTube, you'll find me.
0: Okay. And Lion is not like there <laughs> It's L Y O N. It's like the town in Yeah, like the yeah. town in France. Lyon. Lyon, L- but it's pronounced Leon. Lion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. L-Y-O-N. L-Y-O-N. Okay. So, all right. Irene Lyon. Um, and I know that you have a place where on your website, irenelyon.com, to the sign com. up for... Ner- dot com. Is that what it says? Yeah. hmm uh, Yep. To sign up for nervous systems love emails. What are they?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So every Monday,
1: um, we send out an email, um, good old kind of email newsletter, where... Most weeks um, I have a new video that um, dives into some kind of topic and that's what, that's what you get. You'll get those Monday emails. I do run um, some online classes that are live. We call them drop-in classes. Those run once a month. Um, We are going into the summer, so I'm going to take a break in July and August, but um, there are classes on my site that a person can purchase. Um, And then the other thing that we will let people know about via these emails are my offerings, my programs, those sorts of things. And then on my website is a lot of, um, I've got eBooks, I have articles, and there's even some audio samplers. So if someone wants to just try some of these neurosensory exercises, there's a few selection there that a person can just download complimentary and give it a try.
0: Mm. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like you really work that site. You do a lot. You you really keep up with people, which is wonderful.
1: We try to, yeah, we do. We do a little bit every week.
0: Um, Obviously I'm on
1: social media and then the bigger programs that are like going to, and I say this with quotes, school, um, you have to do it self-study on your own. I've got two programs that a person can work through. One is, Self-study—you can start at any time—and the other we run once a year in March of each year. So mm-hmm. we just okay. finished um, the 2021 session, and we'll do another one next year.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So, is there anything else you wanted to add to what we talked about, or any any mm. message you want, to, <clears throat> profound message you want to leave us with? Yeah,
1: there's something that actually was top of mind this week,
0: um, because I do have a lot of
1: open, free resources on my site. And I had a question to my my followership, and I was like, why? what is it that's keeping you from trying these things? And some people were like, oh, I didn't know about them, so that's honest. And other people were, I'm too afraid that if I start, um, I'm going to find things that I don't want to find. Um, I just feel that I don't have the capacity or safety to get into this. Mm -hmm. And I say, yes, (laughs) if you know that you have had old, if you have old stuff in your system, one, one of the things, Randy, that is often misrepresented in this work is you you do the healing work and everything's going to be beautiful and love and light's going to come out of your head and shells. And <laughs> while that can, while that can happen and we want that, if you think about it, if that little five year old stores their fight flight energy right, and it's in there. As that forty five year old adult, one of the things that will occur is we will feel that fight flight energy move and come out of our body as adults Mm -hmm. and so sometimes often usually (laughs) there's going to be intensities that we feel we're going to remember things that we maybe had to you know block out but the way in which we work with folks is we go really slow and we really take time we never ask someone what was your worst trauma we never do that it's not like talk therapy Um, so one of the things that often keeps people from doing this work is the fear of what they're going to uncover. And I say, okay, you're going to uncover it. And what if we build capacity and resource so that when that stuff does come up, you know how to handle it like a boss, right? And that's kind of what we want to do. We want to make sure that a person has the tools to go into that arena to work with these fight, flight, freeze responses, move them out so that they're not stuck in the system. So I say that because there's going to be lots of folks who listen to this, who there's going to be an unconscious part that's like, I don't want to go there. And I say, just expect it. You know, the system doesn't want to re-experience pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of healing, part of healing this is going in with a higher brain conscious knowledge of I want to work with this because I want to be free.
0: You know, it's interesting that you used the age of forty-five um, and explained why, because that's the median age of people who come to me. It is when. Oh, interesting. Yes, huh. it is when people become aware of things if they've been if they've gone through these childhood mm. abuse uh, issues, emotional abuse. Mm. It's when they finally begin to get very disturbed about something. And they don't really know mm-hmm. what it is, but it mm-hmm. that's the median age um and the other thing that that's you said, thing. i I was, I was smiling i was really I was smiling <laughs> while you were saying it because yeah. i reach I reach thousands and thousands of people, and one of the things I say is, you don't have to suffer, you know we can we can mm-hmm. work through this, and maybe one percent, mm-hmm. if that much, actually will contact me for help yeah, and of you course. know and and so. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of fear around releasing mm-hmm. um, this, this bottled up stuff, these effects that uh, happen from childhood. And, and I always tell people, you know, your, your subconscious isn't going to let it all out at one time. It's not going to be like a huge flood no. where it's all going to come pouring no. out. It's only going to be as no. much as you're ready to look at. You know, and then there'll be another layer, and another layer, and another layer. So yeah. um, you validated so much of what I experience with my clients, and oh, I learned so much from you today, I mean, It's great. <laughs> that's so. That's so good.
1: Do I have time to say one more thing? I don't know if we're if, if I can yeah, put one more about thing a minute. That yeah, about up. a minute. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think the generations before us, our parents' generations, it wasn't cool to go to therapy right? You, you bottled all your, your, everything inside. Um, and I think I'm 45. That's why I use that age. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that I think we need to break out of is this, this perfection of, Oh, I don't have any problems. I have to keep it all in. We have to change that. And our sure our grandparents and parents didn't do therapy and didn't do this work. And that's fine. That's for those of us now at this age it's our, our, I believe, responsibility to do our work so that the world can heal, wow, right? We're in this great. rat race. We're in this rat race. It's like we got to stop. We got to stop and do this work. So
0: that would be my final <laughs> thing to say. Oh, I love that. It's a great, great way to, um, to end the show. I completely agree with you. I really do. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. thank you for that. Irene, it's been such You're a welcome. pleasure having you. And um, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the day. I know you have a lot more day than I do because we're already at Yeah, I will. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here, so I
1: I will. And it's the weekend, so I'm looking forward to it. Okay.
0: Thank you, All right, Great talking to you. right. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions, you can email me at at loveyourlifeatrandyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randifine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E dot com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.